want to show you how tithing is an opportunity for blessing. That's my talk this morning, an opportunity for blessing. Let's read Malachi 3, beginning at verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. Everybody say, so much blessing. So much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. That is a very, very powerful promise from God. An opportunity for blessing. As a young Christian, it took some time for me to really embrace the idea of tithing as an opportunity for blessing. I saw it, I understood it as a, you know, something that, you know, you had to obey God in this area, that it's, I saw it as an obedience issue. Uh, I saw it as an obligation as a Christian, but I didn't really get it for a while as it was an opportunity for blessing. I struggled in this area in the beginning. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. We didn't go to church. And so nobody in my family tithed. I never saw tithing. I never heard about tithing until I became a Christian. And so uh, I got saved at 17, a 17-year-old kid. And so the whole idea of giving 10 cents of every dollar, uh, you know, a dollar out of every 10, and doing that in a disciplined fashion, you know, that's, that's not something that I automatically did right away. Uh, I, my discipleship was a, was a process. And uh, so I struggled, you know, with being consistent in that area. I didn't say that it didn't tie, I didn't say I didn't try to tie, but the whole idea of being consistency was a challenge for me in, in the beginning as a young believer. As I look back on it, as I got older and looking back, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and as you get older, your whole uh, idea of self-awareness becomes more, um, I don't know, magnified, and you become more in tune as you reflect on your life and you begin to understand uh, you know, why you do what you do, why you didn't do what you should have done, and all kinds of issues. Um, but I realized that a lot of it had to do with how I was raised, being brought up without a father, and not really knowing what it's like to have a father take care of you. And so I had, I, if I'm really being honest and vulnerable with you, uh, you know, I had trouble trusting God trusting that God would take care of me. I always felt like I had to fend for myself. I, I help, help, always felt like I had to help support the family. I, I would help my mother pay bills. And, you know, it was, it was tough 
growing up poor all my life. And so when it came to trusting God and really believing that God would be there, I struggled because my father abandoned me. So I, I had these, you know, abandonment issues. And so I have to admit, it was a lack of trusting God. And so even in early days of my marriage, when I was first married, and being the head of the household at the time, uh, I felt like it's my responsibility, uh, you know, to handle the finances and that kind of a thing until I, you know, got wiser and hand turned it over to my wife. Amen. <laughs> but, uh, you know, even being consistent then, I, 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 you know, it wasn't always consistent, you know, if I'm being honest. And when I think about it, those were the worst financial years of our marriage, where we struggled. We found ourselves never having enough, being in debt, all kinds of issues and problems. And so when I finally came to a place of surrender and became, I said, I'm gonna, God, I'm gonna go for broke. I'm just gonna trust you. I'm just gonna trust you. I'm gonna do what the scripture says. I'm gonna test you now in this and see if your word is true and then over time, as I became consistent, you keep hearing me say that word consistent, and trusting God and being faithful over the years, I saw God begin to bless and continue to bless and, and, and prosper. And we've been tithing ever since. And I don't have, there's not enough uh, time in this sermon or the next year of sermons for me to tell you how much God has blessed me and my family exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think, not only us, but our children. And so, and we've taught our children to tithe. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God is faithful. He keeps his word. He can't be trusted. I've got to tell you this morning, you listen, you can trust him. God is a God who can be trusted. You have a heavenly father who can be trusted. My father is God, and I trust him. Is anybody, is there anyone else who understands what I'm talking about? I know, I know there's no one here that went through that. You know, you know, some of you, you know, you've been just sipping tea with Jesus your whole life. I know, you know. But if is anybody that's been honest with me, can you just say amen? But, but the question is, how do I experience the blessing of tithing? Number one, respond to God's plea. Respond to God's plea. Verse 6 is a plea. He says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? He says, I do not change. See, God does not change. People change, but God does not change. He's consistent. He's the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God will not change. His word will not change. It's solid. It's like this. That's why the Bible talks about the, uh, Christ being as a solid rock. He does not change. He's been the same throughout history. So what God did for others what God did for Abraham, what God did for Jacob, what God did for Isaac, he's still doing today. 
And so he says, because I do not change, you are not destroyed. In other words, I am, because I've been merciful throughout the years, because I, I am a loving God, I am a patient God, I am a merciful God, I have not destroyed you. I've been patient with you, even though that you've turned away with me. I still forgive you, even though you, you know, you have not repented. But so, so I, I, I'm still calling you to me and, and reaching out to you. And so I did not change. And so he says, God, he says, uh, I was consistent with your forefather Jacob, who was a tither. If you look at Genesis chapter 28, verse 20 through 22, you'll see where Jacob made a vow, the scripture says, saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. See, he's talking about a personal relationship. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and that of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now, what's interesting about this passage is the law had not been established. This was before the law. So this is something that came out of Jacob's heart. He made a decision that I'm, I'm going to establish this covenant relationship with God, this, this relationship with God. I'm going to honor God, and I'm going to give you a tenth of everything. And so the word tithe simply means one-tenth. It's the regular giving of 10% of all that you receive. Every, every, every dollar, a dime is set aside for God. 10% of everything you receive given to God. And the Lord has organized it or set it so that it's through the local church. That's why it says bring it to the storehouse. That's in, in today's language, it's, it's the local church. And so... Many people are saying, well, what is an offering? An offering is anything above a tithe. Anything above the 10% is considered to be an offering. So you have not given an offering until you have first tithe. And so tithing is the acknowledgement of God's presence. It's the acknowledgement of God's protection. It's the acknowledgement of, of God's provision in your life. And so the Lord says, return to me. He says, come back to me. That, that tells us that it's, a, it's about relationship. It's really about relationship, that God wants a relationship with us. So say, by you uh, turning away from me in your giving, you're turning away from me in your heart. So because Jesus put it this way, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if, if, you're, if you're neglecting the tithe, if you're withholding the tithe, if you're not covenant with me and not giving me the 10% of everything that I give you, then you are turning away from me. Because, see, God established himself uh, in the life of the Israelites and the children of Israel as their provider throughout the years. I am the Lord your provider. He's told them, and he says, make sure that you remember this and you tell your children that it is the Lord your God that gives you the power to get wealth. So they know that everything that they receive came from God. He, you know, they know the history of him providing for them in the wilderness, you know, a pillar of fire by, uh, by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He knows that God was their provider. And so, so you're, you're, if you're not acknowledging me and giving, returning to me just 10% of what I give you, which all of it came from me in the first place, then you, you're turning away. And so tithing then is turning towards. 
Tithing is drawing closer to God. Every time I tithe, I'm drawing close to God. I say, Lord, I'm drawing close to you. I am acknowledging you. I am putting you first in my life. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Why does God want that? Why does he require that? Because he knows there's, there, there's nothing that human beings treasure more than their money. There's nothing that they treasure more than their money. And so if I, if I can have your money, I have your heart. And not just the 10%, if you acknowledge the fact that all of it belongs to him, that everything that you have belongs to him, that's a whole, that's really what he's after. Because if he has your heart, he has everything else. If he has your heart, he has your house. If he has your heart, he has your marriage. If he has your heart, he has your family. If he has your heart, he has your will. He has, has your purpose. Your whole life belongs to you because everything centers around the heart. And so he says, give me your heart. Give me your heart. Give me your heart. He wants your heart. And so his plea is to, to return to me. He wants a relationship with God. And there's no greater blessing than having an intimate relationship with God. Because if I have God, I have everything. He's all I need. He's all I need. There were these two men that were shipwrecked on uh, an island. Their, their, their boat was shipwrecked and they ended up on this island all by themselves out in the middle of nowhere. One man was frantic, pacing back and forth on the island. What are we going to do? Oh, my God, what are we going to do? Nobody knows we're here. Uh, we're going to die out here. There's no food. There's no anything. Yeah, yeah, we're going to die. And the other man was just laying back, just sunning himself, just getting a tan, just relaxing, just chilling. And so the first man said, what's wrong with you? Aren't you worried that, that, that nobody's going to find us and... We're going to die out here? He said, no, I'm not worried about anything. I'm not, I'm not worried. He says, uh, I make $100,000 a week, and I tithe faithfully to my church every week. My pastor will find me. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll be found. Tithing is an opportunity for blessing. So respond to God's plea. Number two, follow God's plan. He lays it out very clearly in Malachi 3. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Willingly bring it. Bring it. See, he asks us to bring it willingly. You see, Uncle Sam takes his because he don't trust you. Uncle Sam, Uncle Sam does not trust you. He takes his. All right? So God says, willingly bring the whole tithe into my store, to our house. Notice he says the whole tithe because the children of Israel at that time were, were trying to be cute. Some of them were bringing 2%. Some of them bring bringing 5%, you know. And I hear people say to me all the time, you know, I tithe, Pastor. I tithe 5%. I say, okay. Okay, let's do the math. A, a tithe is 10%. So you have not tithed until you've given 10%. And so he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour you out so 
much blessing. I, I, I wanted to bold that. It's very important. So much blessing. So much blessing that you will not have enough room, room enough for it. Now, over the years, I've heard many past, pastors, preachers use this passage to try to, I don't know, uh, guilt people or shame people into tithing. You know, you're robbing God, you know, and, and focusing on the whole idea of you're cursed and all this kind of stuff. But see, the whole issue of being cursed, you don't have to beat people up regarding that whole thing. Because what, is it, what, is, what does it mean to be cursed? Cursed, cursed is just the absence of blessing, of the absence of blessing. So you're either one or the other, you see. And so uh, I don't know what about you, but I don't want to be absent of God's blessing. And I don't need anybody to, to beat me up about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know anybody who wants to be in that state of, state of being. I believe that there are people that just, that, that they just don't realize that it's not really what, that Malachi is, is not really talking about uh, anything other than a lost opportunity. Guilt and shame is not God's way of motivating people. God never motivates through guilt or shame. Those are tools of the enemy. God, it's, it's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. Let me say that again. It's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. God is trying to tell you how much he loves you. He's trying to tell you that you, that you're, that you are forfeiting or defrauding me of an opportunity to bless you. See, God does not need your money. God does not need human being's money, currency, to fulfill his plan. He has never depended on Federal Reserve notes. He doesn't need, there's no natural resource on earth that God needs. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The Bible says that he is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. I have need of nothing, God says. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness, I sent manna from heaven to feed them. I brought water out of a rock. When Elijah was hungry, God sent ravens to feed them, to feed him every single day. The first Uber Eats. <laughs> it was Raven Eats. Come on, before there was Uber Eats. And so Jesus fed 5,000 people with three loaves of fish, or three loaves of bread and two fish. And so what the Lord is saying, I don't need money to get my plan done, but you need an opportunity for me to bless you. The Lord says, don't rob me of an opportunity to bless you. How does a man rob God? You rob him of an opportunity to bless you when you don't use faith and obedience and trust him in tithes and offerings. And so you limit my ability to bless you when you don't respond to my plea and follow my plan. The, the, the failure 
or the lack of trust in this area causes us to miss an opportunity for God to bless us individually and corporately as a people. And so it's desire, it's his desire for the entire community to be blessed, not just for you to be blessed, but for all of us to be blessed, for the church to prosper, for your family to prosper, for their children to prosper. That's why he says all nations will call you as a people blessed, says the Lord Almighty. I love what Malachi 3.10, it says, I am the Lord all-powerful, powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, then I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. I will, I will. Anytime you see I will, that's a promise of God. And God is a God who keeps his promises. His word will not return void. You can trust him. You can trust him. Look at your neighbor and tell him you can trust him. If you don't believe it, say it again. You can trust him. Some, someone needs to hear it twice. And God wants to spoil you. Do you know that God, your heavenly father loves you and he wants to spoil you? Jeremiah put it this way. He says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Speaking of spoiling, I love spoiling my grandkids. They were over this past weekend, yeah, last weekend for our, our birthday celebration. We just wanted them to have a have over to just, you know, you know, just have a time with just enjoying family, uh, a favorite thing to do. Uh, I remember when Cameron, my grandson, was about three or four years old, and uh, he says to me, he was at the house, he says, we're about to watch a movie, he says, Poppy, can I have some popcorn? I said, sure, you can have some popcorn. So we went into the cupboard, got some microwave popcorn, put it in the, put it in the microwave, popped it for him, put it into the bowl, gave it to him. So he's just having a good time eating his popcorn after a while I'm watching him. He's about halfway full, uh, finished, and I said, so I said, Cameron, I said, give Poppy some. He's like, no, no, Poppy, no, Poppy, mine, mine, mine. I said, what? I said, give Poppy some. He said, no, Poppy. I'm like, See, what he didn't realize is I didn't really want his popcorn. I was just testing him. See, because I was teaching him how to share. Because, see, see children don't naturally know how to share. You have, they have to be taught. See, because the, one of the first words they learn is mine. And you don't have to teach it to them. Mine. Because of our fallen nature, that's how we are, that sin nature that's in us when we're born. So I said, I said, get pop. Poppy said, no, Poppy, mine. See, but what he didn't realize is that Poppy had the power to open up the floodgates of popcorn. <laughs> Come on. I had a whole cabinet full of boxes, boxes of, of, of Orville Redenbacher pop popcorn that I could have give him, but he, he was missing his opportunity
for me to bless them. And so, uh, you know, he could have been swimming in popcorn. He could have had so much popcorn that he who had a stomach ache for, for a month, but he refused. So he just, all he, all he was able to have was what he had because I would not give him any more. All I asked for was just one little kernel. <laughs> one little kernel, which would have been an opportunity for so much more. All God has asked for in the big scheme of things for you is one little kernel out of every dollar. And he, he says, okay, I can trust you. They trust me, I can tr I'll trust them. I'll throw open the, come on, angels, throw open the floodgates. Throw, bless them even more. Bless, bless them even more. Give them even more. I love uh, what the scripture says in this translation. I am the Lord all powerful and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the 10% into the storehouse so there'll be food in my house. God wants to bless, bless others through you, through you. See, you see when you give to the, the, the storehouse, you're not just giving to the church, you're giving through the church so that others can be blessed. Are you with me? And so the, 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 the tithe have, has a sevenfold blessing, the sevenfold blessing. What, well, what is the sevenfold blessing of the tithe? Well, the, number one, the tithe blesses the heart, making it, making it tender and receptive to God's will. Number two, tithing blesses the life by giving it to a higher plane of generosity and grace, or by lifting it to a higher plane of generosity and grace. Number three, tithing blesses the hands by making them willing to do God's work. Number four, tithing blesses the mind by giving it the satisfaction and peace which comes from obedience. Number five, tithing blesses the nine-tenths that remains because God has been honored and its anointing has been invoked. Number six, tithing blesses the tither by giving him or her a part in God's program of world evangelism. Number seven, Tithing blesses the local church by enabling it to carry out the Great Commission. I need you to see that tithing is an opportunity for blessing. If you believe it, I want you to just praise God right now. Can you do that? Listen. Listen. You're sitting in a room that is made possible because of tithes and offerings. The pew you're sitting on with the nice soft cushion is there because of the tithes of offerings of God's people. And we thank God for that. I love this quote by Pastor Jack Hayford that says, I don't believe for one minute that tithing buys God's blessing, but I do believe that it opens a door or better, a window of release for God to bless continually and mightily. That's from his book, The Key to Everything, which talks about the power of giving, how giving is the key to everything. 
Just recently, at the end of uh, the month, last January, received an envelope in the mail uh, addressed to my daughter Jessica from Christ Church. And I said to my wife, okay, we get mail from, from Jessica, and we need to send this to, to her, to her uh, apartment in California. I have two daughters, the oldest one, Tara, age 35, she lives in um, Tom's River. She's the one that's been giving us all of these wonderful grandchildren, being fruitful and multiplying and <laughs> replenishing the earth, giving more opportunities to leave an inheritance to my children's children. It's getting thinner and thinner. <laughs> The younger one, Jessica, uh, Jessica's 28, she, she, she moved to California uh, a little over a year ago. And, uh, you know, I'm just feeling all right with it now. Keep, you know, she travels all over the world, all over the world as a uh, brand influencer. Uh, she gets to make her living through uh, social media, primarily through Instagram, and companies pay her for to, to promote their products and that kind of thing. So she travels all over the world to help, help my prayer life. And, uh, and God has blessed her tremendously, through tremendously blessed her. And so, so, uh, so did I say she, okay, so now she received this envelope and I look at it and, and my wife said, I said, what is this? Oh, it's Jessica's uh, tithing statement from Christ Church. I said, she said she's still tithed from Christ's church because right now she's, for the past year, she's been having trouble finding the, the church where she really feels comfortable, really feels home. In the meanwhile, that she, she, she faithfully believes in tithing. She recognizes that all the blessings that God has given her financially comes from him, and she's been honoring him the whole year and blessing him. Uh, and, and honoring him through tithes and offering and considering sending it to her church home in Montclair uh, every single week. And uh, it, it was you know, a good amount of uh, tithe. And so I'm saying, Lord, keep blessing her because, uh, I'm, you know, I'm already picking out my retirement home on the beach. <laughs> and... <laughs> In California, but what? Why do I share that with you? What it meant to me is that here's another example of what it means to leave an inheritance to your children's children. It's not just about leaving the money. I mean, because you can give them, leave them a million dollars, and they can go through it in a month. There's nothing more valuable, and what really blessed me is that. I'm so thankful to God that he enabled us to impart the whole idea of putting God first in her life. And uh, I want to encourage you to teach your children to put God first and to honor him in tithes and offerings because that is what will carry them through. That will be, that's what will be the secret to their blessing and their prosperity. It's not money per se. It's honoring God with whatever, with that, whatever that they receive. And so my hope is that my grandchildren will, will do the same. And so uh, how do I experience God's blessing, respond to God's plea, 
follow God's plan, and finally, believe God's promises as we bring this down to a, whole, to a close. Verse 11 says, God gives us a very powerful promise here. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruits, says the Lord Almighty. God gives us a promise. He says, not only am, am I only going to bless you with my provision, but I'm going to bless you with my protection. Not only will I provide for you, but I will also protect you. The King James Version puts it this way. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I will be, the devourer is the enemy, Satan, from robbing and stealing what you have. Jesus said, the thief comes to rob, steal, and destroy, but I came that you might have life abundantly. And so the enemy, is, he's, he always he's, he wants to attack. He wants to steal. He wants to cause stuff to break down, things to get lost, uh, people, things to get stolen, people, uh, thieves to break in and steal. But God says, if you covenant with me in tithes and offerings, I will stand at the door of your house and keep Satan out. And so I, I, I want you to, to, to know that God says... that he wants you to believe and trust his promises. I remember during that season when I wasn't being consistent, it seems like, you know, as, as though my pockets had holes in them. You know, I, you know, I remember even being on vacation with my wife in the Bahamas, and then, in, in, you know, and uh, we didn't have credit cards at the time. We were dealing with cash. We didn't have, we were a young, young uh, family, uh, married couple. All our money got stolen. And we, and, uh, we had still had many, many days of, uh, uh, of being there. And, uh, you know, it was, just, it was just, it's a long story. I don't have time. The service is almost over. <laughs> but I knew because I wasn't in a right relationship with God in that area. And so you might be asking, how do I begin to follow God's plan to, to tithe? Number one, respond to God's plea. Put him first. If God is first in your life, everything else will come into proper order. If God is not first, nothing will come into proper order. Nothing. Give him the opportunity to bless you. Number two, follow God's plan. Accept the challenge. Test him. Start this week. God will not Allow his word to fall to the ground. He'll keep his promises. Be consistent. Be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Number three, believe God's promises. Believe him. You can trust him. As I said earlier, you have a heavenly father who loves you, who cares about you. You can trust him. Expect him to respond. I'm looking forward to seeing what God is going to do. And I want to, as a matter of fact, as a testimony of, of what God's goodness, I, I need some people who have experienced over the years what I'm talking about. God being faithful, God providing for you, God being there for you, and, and, and opening the floodgates for you and being there for you throughout the years. Can you just begin to give the Lord praise right now? Can you just begin to thank him? Can you, Lord, come on. 
Can you just begin to honor him for his goodness? Can we thank God for his faithfulness over the years? Can you stand and just begin to give God praise? Come on.